0: Valentine's Day is Wednesday, so for those of you romantic guys, you've already got it planned, you've got it figured out, but for the other 99% of us, uh, we've got just, just a few days left. So let me ask you, what's your plans? What, what do you have planned out? So uh, one, one of you this week shared a video of John Piper, and uh, I'm going to totally steal his story. So this isn't my story. I'm giving him credit. Listen, if you want to hear a legit preacher preach, like for real, just YouTube John Piper, and he's, he's the man. Um, he will make you feel bad about things you felt good about. He's, he's awesome, right? <laughs> so imagine this week that you, uh, that ladies, let's just say you're at home, on Wednesday, and your husband comes home, and he, knocked, he rings the doorbell, and you answer the door, and then your first reaction is going to be like, why'd you just ring the doorbell, right? Why didn't you just come in? But let, let's just say that he, he comes to the door, and uh, you ring the doorbell, you answer it, and he pulls a gift out, an expensive gift, whatever that looks like in your eyes, and, and he says, here, I got you this for Valentine's Day, and your reaction is, Oh my goodness, you shouldn't have. That's 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 expensive. Why would you why did you do that? And then his response is, "Well, I have to. It's Valentine's Day and I'm your husband." and we have to get you stuff for valentine's day so here and then you, his job's over right he he did it he accomplished it he checked it off and so now he goes and sits down on the couch and says something stupid like what's for dinner <laughs> yeah you're about to eat this gift is what's about to happen <laughs> right i mean that just seems that just seems kind of crazy now let's let's rewind Let's p- replay this in a different way. He shows up, rings the doorbell. You answer it. Why are you ringing the doorbell, dummy? And then he pulls out an expensive gift, and he says, here it is. And then you say, oh, my goodness. It's a great gift. It's so expensive. Why did you do this? And he says, because I love you. And, and I wouldn't want to do anything else other than give you this gift. I have plans for tonight. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get ready. There's a babysitter on her way over. Guys, if you don't have anything, you can start just jotting this down. And you can, th- you can thank John Piper later. Uh, I want you to go get ready. I've got plans. There's a babysitter over on the way. Because you know what? Tonight, there was nothing I would rather do than spend tonight with you. I know. I'm, I like my heart's melting. And it's just a story. Now, imagine if your reaction was this, there's nothing you would rather do? Why is it about you? Why do you gotta make everything about what you wanna do? It Shouldn't sometimes it be about me? I mean, that's crazy, you wouldn't. You would say, I'll be ready in five minutes, right, and three hours later. Um, right? you, you would love it, and here's, here's the reality is that, uh, and this is a quote from John Piper that's going on for years. We've shared it here before, but this story really encapsulates this, is that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so when you and, like, you know, a husband is just so satisfied in just being with his wife, and it doesn't matter what you do, go to McDonald's, go to Wendy's, I was going to say Taco Bell, but that's not a good idea. Go anywhere, um, and just being together, right? Just being together is, is enough to be satisfied, and in that your significant other, your spouse, is, is glorified. Y'all, when we are most satisfied in the presence of God is when he is most glorified in us. So let's pause, and let me ask you, in this current moment of your life, are you satisfied in who God is? Like, I mean, does just being in the presence of God, does it just put your blinders on and your focus completely on Him? Right? Does the stress and angst of life get just pushed out? Does uh, the troubles that you're going in seem insignificant in the presence of God? Uh, for those of you who don't, who don't know me, I have a five-year-old son, and it doesn't take you long to know me to know I have a five-year-old son because I talk about him all the time. I'm so proud of him, and he's really cute and super smart, and he's funny. And See? See? See what I'm saying? So uh, one, of my, like, one of the best things is for him when he like, does something that he knows that I'm going to be proud of, and then he comes, and he stands in front of me, for instance, uh, for, like, it, this stopped a few months ago, but before that, he would just, like, i would say, Bo, and I need you to clean your toys up out of the living room, and he would do it, and he put it all in his dump truck, and it took a lot longer than it should have, but whatever, and then he drives it to his room, and then he comes back, and he says, Dad, I'm done, and then we would celebrate, dude, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. And his face would just light up. Uh, some of you remember, uh, that was in my small group about six months ago. He walked through the, the room. We were talking about encouraging one another. And I just stopped and said, Bo, I'm so proud of you. Like, he walked through, and it's kind of annoying because you're doing a Bible study, right? And he just walks through like this. But he's cute, so it's not that annoying. And then I said, dude, I'm so proud of you. And he just stopped and smiled and kept going. And he was so, like, he was just so satisfied and... And just pleasing his dad, right? Well, some of you know I picked up a part-time job at a coffee shop down the road, brewed downtown. Shameless plug, and you should come and get coffee, and uh, every now and then, someone will give, someone will give me a tip, you know, so I'll come home with a few extra dollars or some, some change, sorry, that was my fault, some change, and, uh, and so what's happened in the last three months, remember, I told you there was this shift in Bowen's mentality, is we give our kids a few coins for doing some, some chores, and uh, so the other day, I'm sitting in the couch, like, the other day, as in Friday, I'm sitting on the couch, and, Uh, And I watch, and he just starts cleaning up the living room, and I didn't ask him to do it. And I was like, you have got to be the best child I have, like, ever. Well, he finishes, and then he comes back in. And instead of saying, Dad, I cleaned up. Aren't you proud of me? You know what he said? Hey, Dad, I cleaned up. Can I have some money now? (laughs) We are in for it it made me pause, uh, one, because I was like, you can't slap him, you can't slap him, you can't <laughs> slap him. Yes, you can, but you can't. Uh, no, it, it really made me reflect this week as I was going through the sermon, and especially when I, I saw that video this week, and, and let's take this a, a step further. Are you satisfied in God, or are you just satisfied in what God can give you? Like, do you love God, or do you just love his stuff? the things that he can provide or, or the possibilities. And sometimes sometimes we can fall in love with the potential of what God can do for us and not fall in love with God. Sometimes, check this out, sometimes we can fall in love with church and not fall in love with God. And so I just want this to be a question of reflection, not just right now, but just as your life progresses and as your pursuit of Christ increases, are you satisfied in him or, or just his stuff? Look, don't feel alone if, if you're just after or if you find that you are satisfied in the stuff because we find Israel, the nation of Israel, in that same spot this morning as we start. So if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand, and someone will bring a Bible to you. We want that to be your Bible. Take it home, study it, read it, highlight it, underline it, whatever you got to do. You can follow along with us. Uh, you can pull your phone out. We encourage you to do that unless you've lost your phone, then you can't do that. That's what I've done, uh, but you can open up. You can download the Restore Church app. That's free on uh, you've, That's free on the Apple Store, and whatever else is out there. Who cares? The Apple Store is the only one that matters. And you can download it there. Um, you can download the Uversion Bible app, and you can follow us live on the Uversion Bible app, or you can follow along on the screens. But if you want to pursue God and God's Word, you can't take the screens home, so you need to use the Bible or your phone or the Restore app. Um, so we've been going through this nifty little resource. It's called The Story. The Story should not take the place of the Bible in your life or in your home, but what it's allowed us to do is read through uh, the Bible as a narrative, as a story, and it aligns things so that you're not reading it three times, but that it tells the story of, of God's relentless pursuit of mankind, right? All right, so if you're there with us, go ahead and find Exodus chapter 19. And while you try to find Exodus chapter 19, uh, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. You're looking for big 19, the big number 19. And uh, while you're looking for that, I'm going to help you uh, to where we are in the story if you haven't been with us. You know, in the first chapter, God created everything. Satan screwed it up, and we've come a long way since then, haven't we? Uh, Then in the next chapter, God uh, God makes a covenant with Abraham. Abraham, you'll be the father of, of a nation. I'll give you a great blessing. I will give you a great land, and I will protect you. And for the next few pages of Genesis, we see that play out. He gives birth to his son Isaac. Isaac gives birth to Jacob. Jacob gives birth to 12 sons, one including Joseph. Joseph rises to second in power of Egypt, and that works out. We watch God's providence kind of play its uh, kind of play its way out as he rises to second in charge of Egypt because he's able to take his home country, the whole nation of Israel, and they're allowed to live just north of Egypt while the famine, um, while the famine takes its place. The people of Israel populate so much so that Pharaoh says, man, what are we going to do? What if they uprise against us and then come and take us over? And so what he does is they enslave Egypt. Or they enslave Israel to be their slaves in Egypt? God rises up, or raises up Moses. Moses goes in. The, uh, you know the story, whether you've been around church or not, of the ten plagues. Uh, Pharaoh lets let my people go. Let the people go. They go to the edge of the Red Sea. Uh, Pharaoh is pursuing them. They don't know what to do. He puts his staff in the water. The water splits. They walk through on dry ground, and then the water crashes. Over God's enemies, or over Israel's enemies. So now Israel stands on the other side of all of that, of all of what God has done, right? And um, I think it'd be good for Israel in this moment to just sit down, shut up, and reflect over how powerful God is. Maybe this is something you should do. I'm not gonna tell you to sit down and shut up, but it helps. Maybe this is something you should do periodically. Maybe set a reminder in your phone for every six months, and it pops up and says, sit down and shut up and reflect. Just over who God is, what he's done, and then it might become a real practice for you to live out the verse in Psalms that says, be still and know that I am God. Well, Israel doesn't quite do that. So now what? Now, what is what now? What for Israel, right? And so, Exodus chapter 19, uh, we're going to read verses one through six. On the first day of the third month after the, Isra- after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the, the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. Check this out. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt reflect, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you—check this out. Okay, you got to see this. Verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my commands— then out of all nations you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will, be f- uh, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. I, w- I want you to see this in verse 5. Um, I love having these screens on the stage instead of over where they used to be because we can do stuff like this. Ah, um, oh, there should have been a space right there. Who does these things? I do. Um. Do you see this? God's not just, God doesn't just say to them, you're my people. It doesn't matter what you do, you are my people. What does it say in verse 5? It says, now, if, catch this, there's like a clause, like there's a cause and effect here, and there is a clause. Now, if you obey me and fully keep my commandments, then... Out of all of the nations, you will be my treasured possessions. It's obvious to us that God has demonstrated his love for Israel, right? I mean, his protection, his blessing. What he told Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12 has now come to fruition as far as him having uh, being the father of many. And like a loving husband... He's asking for Israel to demonstrate their love for him. I hope that if you have experienced it, man, it's, it's one of those moments you'll come back to the rest of your life where you stand across from your spouse and, you'll, and you say, till death do us part. Whether we are sick or healthy, whether we are rich or poor, and whenever I do a wedding, I have them say, you are mine and I'm yours but that comes with a little bit of a condition, doesn't it? That you will be faithful to me and I will be faithful to you. And God says, listen, I've shown my faithfulness and I will continue to show my faithfulness. I'm standing in front of you begging you, show your faithfulness to me. And so now what we will see from the rest of from this point to the rest of the Bible, is Israel now is going to try to learn how to love God. Aren't we all? Right? And so, here we go. God calls Moses and Aaron up to the mountain, puts kind of Moses in charge. Aaron is second in charge, A-A-R-O-N. That's important in our house. Um, (laughs) Aaron's my wife's name, if you didn't know, and it's E-R-I-N don't get it twisted. And so, uh, as the story goes, God calls Moses up. He gives Moses the Ten Commandments, and then he gives them a, a few more laws. Uh, let's read the Ten Commandments together. We're going to come back to these here in a few minutes, but uh, it's really good just to be in God's Word for a moment. So, in Exodus chapter 20, uh, we're going to start in verse 2, and it should be on the screen. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here they come. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Check this out. For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents, to the third and the fourth generation, to those who hate me. But showing love to those... Man to the thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall work and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. That gets Jesus in trouble later in his life. Verse 11. uh, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Here they go. They go quickly now. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Y'all parents, you just need to memorize that and say that to your children, okay? Honor your father and your, and your mother so that you may live long in this land the Lord your God has given to you. Otherwise, if you don't listen to me, I'm kidding. <laughs> you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor or lie. You shall not cover your, covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I feel like he should have just said anything that belongs to your neighbor. I'm glad that he really specified ox and donkey, but whatever. And so Moses comes down and he tells them, here's what God says, and here's what Israel says back. They said, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Awesome. God then calls Moses back up to the mountain. And his goal now is to give him instructions on how to, remember, Israel's learning how to love God. And so God calls Moses back up, spends 40 days together. And uh, he was giving him instructions on how to worship uh, how to construct the tabernacle, which is like a, a church plant wherever they go, right? They probably had a sweet truck that doesn't work all the time. A tabernacle, priests, uh, what the priests should do, what they should wear, things like that. How to offer sacrifices, what to offer sacrifices for, when to offer sacrifices. How to, to do this festival or that festival. And so Moses is on this mountaintop for 40 days. Now remember who's second in charge of the spiritual life of Israel, Aaron. Well, after 40 days, Moses comes down from the mountain, only to find Aaron has led the whole nation of Israel astray. Right? He tells them to build a golden calf, and they set up a golden calf. And then he says, bring your sacrifices, and, and we'll worship this golden calf. And, and Moses is like, you done messed up, Aaron. <laughs> Moses come down from the mountain to tell the people how to worship God, only to find them worshiping something else. And not only is not only is Moses angry, and slams down the tablets, uh, and breaks them, but God, not only is Moses angry, but God's heart is broken. I mean, they just had this back and forth. If you'll obey me and love me, I will love you back. And then the Israelite people said, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. And not 40 days later, they've committed adultery for some, for some watered-down version of what God looks like. Listen, if, if you decide Restore Church is not your church or you get stationed somewhere else, if, if you find your church or your people or your services looking a lot like the rest of the world, you should caution yourself. Find a church that preaches from the Bible, that lifts God on high and makes it all about Jesus. Nothing else. And so Moses knows that God is heartbroken. And he goes to God on, on, the, on behalf of the Israelite people and he says, Please, please. Please spare us. Please stay with us. Continue leading us with the cloud during the day and the fire by night. Please continue to give us your presence in the tabernacle as we try our best to faithfully pursue you. And God says, okay, I will be with you wherever you go. Man, Israel was blessed to have a leader like Moses and we as a people are blessed to have a leader like Jesus who has gone on our behalf to God and now because of our sin or our unfaithfulness God will not leave us he will never leave you or forsake you and so if you're here today and you're regretting last night or you're hoping no one finds out what happened this past week, or you've been running for the last year of your life, you got to hear this. Because of Jesus, God will not leave you. And maybe you've spent this last time running to stop, because God has not stopped pursuing you. Listen, I, I think that if you and I were to take the Ten Commandments seriously, that we would not have to worry about being an adulterer in our relationship with God. I think if we took the Ten Commandments seriously, that that we wouldn't have to worry about having a watered down version of God that we worship. But we will worship the God, the Yahweh God, the Messiah God. I think, and I don't think that uh, I think that God is still serious about the Ten Commandments. So what we just read what happened about um, 1,500 years before Jesus is born. And so here we are 2,000-something years later. So what's that, 3,500 years ago. Um, and I think that God is still serious about these Ten Commandments. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the rest of our time looking at the Ten Commandments. What does Jesus say about the Ten Commandments? What should we do about them, and do they even matter to us anymore? Yes, they do. Well, that's soft Check. Can we put the Ten Commandments back up? Um, well, it's the next slide. You don't have to go back. All right, here they are. Um, have not other gods before me. What is this guy doing? <laughs> Just pretend that this T isn't there. Hold, a, hold your hand over your eye or something. Uh, have no other gods before me. Do not worship any idols. Do not misuse God's name. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and mother. Hey, let's pause here for a second. And talk about honor your father and mother. So when you're studying the Bible, okay, listen, study the Bible. When you read it, like read it and read it with with like intention, okay? So um, honor your father and mother. I'm not naive enough to know that some of you have come from a really tough home where mother and father were not necessarily godly. When you study the Bible, sometimes the New Testament will talk about an Old Testament verse and will give us some clarity on it. A lot of times, the Old Testament will talk about the New Testament passage and will, and will let us learn about that, you know, they, they kind of work in hand in hand. That's kind of the whole point of the Bible. And so, um, Paul in Ephesians, I don't have this verse up here, um, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Obey your father and mother. My dad made me memorize this a lot as a child. Uh, Obey your father and mother in the Lord. And then he quotes this verse. He says, for it's written, honor your father and mother, because it's the first commandment listed with a promise. So go back to the uh, Exodus chapter 20, you'll see them listed. This is um, number five is the first, the first of the Ten Commandments that's listed that has a promise with it, it, and it's the only one. And it says so that you will live long. So, anyway, the Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 or 4 or something, it says, um, oh, thanks, that was good. It says, uh, uh, obey in the Lord. Look, I I don't want you to feel like your cruel parents had the right to do what they've done or are doing. Um, It says obey in the Lord. If it's godly and your parents are pursuing Christ in a godly form, then yeah, as, as children, we should honor and obey them. But listen, if they're asking you to do things that are heinous, that are not found in the pages of Scripture, I'm not going to tell you that you don't have to honor or obey them, but God does not ask us to do anything that's not found here. Everyone kind of gets my drift with this. all right. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not cover, covet your neighbor's belongings. That's hard to say. Um, do not covet your neighbor's belongings. Remember ox and donkeys. Here's here's what I, I want to say about this. I think God is still serious about these. Like I I think that when He looks on these, looks at these, I think at a minimum. He's asking us to follow these. And I want you to hear something. There are no buts. Like, it's not have no other God before me, except for the one you carry in your pocket and are on three to four hours a day. I, I don't think that he says do not worship any idols, except for Saturdays and Sundays when your favorite team's playing. Guilty. Guilty. I think he's serious about not misusing God's name. Listen, the word God is not an addition to the word damn just because we want some emphasis. You feel me? I think the name God should be held high. Look, Jesus Christ is not a cuss word. He's our Savior. So just slow down on, on that. And by slow down, I mean Stop. Keep the Sabbath day holy unless you're tired or just don't feel like it or got mad at the preacher for last week. Honor your Father, and mother. We talked about that. Do not murder. What's Jesus say about murder? Jesus says you've murdered someone when you hate them in your heart, but you just don't know them. Okay. (laughs) Do not commit adultery. What's Jesus say about when you commit adultery? When you lust after someone else in your heart, you've committed adultery. Do not steal, yeah, but it's just a little bit, no one will really know, it's not that big of a deal. Do not lie, yeah, but it's just a little white lie. Look, you tell one lie, you got to tell four to cover it up, and for those four, got to tell four to cover it up. And before you know it, you're talking about thousands of lies, right? Do not lie, and do not covet your neighbor's belongings. Listen, this, this one seems kind of silly. Comparison will kill you. It will kill you emotionally relationally, spiritually, it will kill you if you continue to look at other people's stuff and say, man, I want that, I need that. Because remember, God is most glorified in us when we are satisfied, not in stuff or not in what he gives us, but when we are satisfied in him. So Israel, um, so I I, want to talk about this line, this red line. Um, what happens, or wh- where you can draw this this red line, is these first four have to do with our relationship with God, and the last six have to do with our relationship with one another. And so, I don't know, just looks fancy, it's cool. It's if, But if you can think of it like that, of how we, it's how Jesus thought about it. Look at Matthew chapter 22, um, they come to Jesus and they're trying to trick Jesus, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll read it together. It says, Hearing that Jesus silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Look, if Jesus picks any of the Ten Commandments, they got him. They're going to arrest him for blasphemy against Moses. Against the law, which for Israel, the law is everything. And so if Jesus picks one, he's going to say, this one is the most important. Now they can arrest him for blasphemy and then kill him. But Jesus says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments can we put the ten commandments back up there check this out which one's greatest jesus love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind mark adds when mark says it he says and with all your strength let me ask you how how are you doing with these like if your pursuit is after God and, and that's your first pursuit, you don't have to think about these. It's just what you do. This is the rhythm of life. You are protecting, you are protecting your time with God. Right? Netflix is a secondary thing. We, we spend less time reading about, reading about what other people are doing on Facebook and start reading about what God's trying to do in our lives through, through God's word. We spend less time worrying about what other people are going to do, and then we'll start spending more time praying to who God is and asking him to intervene in our lives. Listen, when God is the most important thing in your life, these things, we don't have to worry about rules. And we don't have to worry about rules because we're relentlessly loving God. Are you satisfied in who God is? And then he says, and the second is similar, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now this one, they're both, they're both difficult. Uh, neither one of them are easy to live out. Hey, if you're not a Christ follower, uh, I'm sorry if this has happened to you or if you've heard someone say this. If you are a Christ follower, I want you to listen to this. You cannot love God and hate people. And one thing that just is like nails to a chart, It's more than that, it just makes me angry. And I don't get angry very often, but it makes me angry when someone who calls themselves a Christian thinks that they're funny when they say, I just hate people. It's not funny. You c- because if, if you hate people, you do not love God. You can't. They don't go together. Actually, 1 John says, if you love God but hate your brother, you are a liar, and you're making God seem like a liar also. Our job is to love God first, and the outpouring of our love for God is that our heart breaks for people. That our heart is devastated for people. I don't know why this came up today, and this has, I don't know, maybe it works, I don't know, but in the newspaper today, Michelle showed me this morning. Did you guys see his front page of the newspaper of our newspaper, there are 237 or 232 um, meth labs in North Carolina. 21 of them are in Onslow County. Combine all the rest of the counties that are listed there, we have more than double second place. We have almost 10% of all found meth labs in North Carolina in Onslow County your heart should be broken, devastated, because that's ruining families, that's ruining lives, and it's definitely ruining people's pursuit of who God is. Man, as Christians, look, the Ten Commandments are serious, and God is serious about them, but they can be found in a pursuit of loving God and an outpouring of loving other people. Hey, I want to give you some next steps for you. If you find yourself kind of eh, I'm not really satisfied in God right now. It's a really good and honest answer. Here's what you need to do. Just read more of the Bible today than you did yesterday. And do that every day this week. Read more of God's word. If you need a fresh place to start, you can either get a copy of the story and start reading with us or or start in the book of John and get to know who Jesus is and start to to love him, watch him cry, watch him do miracles. It's it's really fascinating. but. Uh, that's where you need to do is read more of the Bible today than you did yesterday and tomorrow more than you did today. Um, When's the last time you prayed and how honestly did you pray? Um, Praying for your food counts, but it kind of doesn't, okay? Uh, It's an honest plea to God um, of, of what's going on in your life. We believe that God has not abandoned us but is a part of who we are and that he cares for us and he wants to help you. And so, uh, read the Bible more, uh, pray more, and um, and then you know make make an effort to to be a church, right? To to worship God. Uh, Spotify, Pandora, they become great worship leaders. And so, uh, if you really want to worship, if that's how you connect with God, look 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 those up, and they're free sometimes. Uh, If you have a trouble, if you're having trouble loving other people, and uh, I'm just gonna tell you, loving people is draining. Cause people are people, and I'm probably guilty. I am guilty of that. <laughs> you guys are like, man, loving Rogers. tough. <laughs> well, loving you's tough too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's so easy to love you. Um, loving people's hard, and and it and it drains you sometimes, especially if you don't have the first part right. Um, and so here's here are some really easy next steps for you to love people. Ask God to help you, uh, to give him a heart for people the same way that he sees them, like to see people the same way that he sees them. We talked about that last week in our youth group. Uh, get connected. Get plugged into a small group. We have five small groups that are meeting right now, and we have another one. See, God amend that. Uh, we have another one that's starting uh, on our launch week uh, in the new theater uh, in the middle of and that's going to be in my house, and we'd love to invite you if you're not in a small group to be a part of ours. Um, so get connected with people. You want to get uncomfortable? Go find someone. After, I know introverts are like, no, no, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Why don't you find someone who you don't know and learn their name, and when they come back next week, give them a hug. Oh, weird, I know. <laughs> Check this one out. Invite someone over to, for dinner to your house. Um, and just eat with them. How about this? For those who are close with you, uh, that you are pursuing Christ together, pray together. Read the Bible together. Um, and you will be surprised how much further your relationship with God goes. Look, uh, when we love God, we can. We, you've got to do it more than here. If I'm being convinced of anything now, like God has convicted me, is that this isn't church, what we do here. This is a great expression of church, and I love it, and I've fallen in love with Sunday morning. But y'all, church starts when you walk out that door. and if all you have is Sunday morning, look, Satan's going to whoop Satan is going to whoop your tail. <laughs> I think that was on accident. <laughs> uh, look. You've got to have people. You cannot be a Christian in isolation because Satan's going to whoop you. I mean, you need me, and I need you. We've got to celebrate together. We've got to cry together. You've got to pray for me, and I've got to pray for you. You've got to hug me when I'm I'm feeling down. And look, when you're feeling down, I'm going to hug you too because we're in this thing together because there's not many of us who love God relentlessly. Like, I think Christianity is on the decline rapidly in the United States. We're, we're, we're becoming fewer and fewer of people who are in just a dead pursuit of God, of loving him relentlessly. And so we need each other. So if you're not in a small group, you need to get in a small group. It's, it is your next step. Um, it, it should have been easy for Israel to say, all right, God, we're in. We saw, we've heard what you did with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We heard what you did with Joseph. We saw what you did with Moses. We experienced what you did through the Red Sea. We ate of the food that you provided and the water that came from the rock. It should have been easy for Israel to love God because he demonstrated his love for them. And it should be easy for us to relentlessly love God and recklessly love people because God demonstrated his love for us also. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says this, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see that? Not once we became a Christ follower. Christ didn't die because of what we could give for him, give to him while we were still sinners. Christ died for you and me. This is a moment to pause and reflect. That while I tried to get away from God and away from the church and broke his heart over and over and over, God demonstrated his love anyway. That Christ died for us. You and me. And so, our outpouring of our love should be because of God's relentless pursuit of you and I. God, we want to love you with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole soul, with our strength. God, we want to give it all to you. Forgive us when we fail, encourage us when we are struggling. God, we want to um, more than anything please you. God, we we want you to be glorified because of our our satisfaction in who you are, because of our rest in in you. God, some of us are tired this morning. More more than just sleepy tired, God, we're tired of life. We're tired of getting beaten down. And uh, some of us are tired of trying. Some of us are tired of fighting. But your word says that if we need rest, that we can come to you. All who are weak and weary, we find our rest in being satisfied and who you are. God, I pray that that is said of us. God, that we don't care about about stuff. We don't care about circumstances. We don't care about anything as long as we get to be with you. So God, just as the Israelites said, we will listen, God. We will obey because we love you. Give us a fire again. Those of us who, are, who just really aren't satisfied in you right now. Help us find that fire again, or for the first time, to find that passion of a God who loves us and who gave everything for us. God, give us a fight and a passion to love people. Even when it's tough. Uh, even when we don't want to. God, we will, we're asking you to help us. Let us be satisfied in you so that you can be glorified. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.